just a reminder to everyone, David and I will be in Connecticut Thursday, September 14th. We are going to be discussing circuit bending, politics, experimental music, noise guitar pedals, tinnitus, and more. We might be doing some geography and ley line type stuff. I don't mm, know. There might be some geography action. Again, that's Thursday, September 14th, 7 p.m. at the Olin Memorial Library on the campus of Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. We will be having a meetup afterwards. The event is free, but you have to RSVP. Go to bit.ly slash E-P-M-N-C-T. Really excited. Hope to see you all there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Perfect. <laughs> That'll get him. That'll okay, get him sorry, to come out. Sorry. Yeah. No, that was good. Yeah, yeah. No, that was good. Okay. Let's good. start the episode. It's recording. Are we doing it? Is it recording our podcast? Yep. Oh, this is everything I've ever wished for, guys. My very own podcast with one of my very best friends. Well, anyway, my name is Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, and I'm joined on the line by Long John Silver. The name of the podcast, in case you're wondering, is Election Profit Makers. And boy, do we have some elections and some profits to discuss because we have wonderful news to share with all you listeners. After months of inactivity, predictit.org, one of the greatest websites and financial instruments ever devised by human hands, has added new markets. That's right, folks. Predictit.org has got 14 markets, and they're firing on all cylinders. Why, just a week or two ago, they were down to 9 or 11 markets. And now, John, we've got markets about who's going to win the GOP Iowa caucus. We've got markets on who's going to be second place in the GOP Iowa caucus. Why, we even have markets and something about New Hampshire. John, it's happening. I know. I know. We are back. We are back. We are back. It. I still want more. But this is they added two this week, right? Or did they add more than two? I think they've added three. Iowa GOP uh, caucus winner, Iowa GOP caucus second place, and New Hampshire GOP primary winner. I think those three are the new ones. Okay. And then there's another one here that says, who's got the fattest booty in all of New <laughs> Just kidding. That's not really a market. I would say Donald Trump. And, oh, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. People can't help that. Yeah, he's got a fat butt. And Ron DeSantis used to. Is that true? Did Ron DeSantis lose weight? Oh, yeah. I mean, have you watched him? He's 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 losing a lot of weight. He's on Is that the... part of that memo that was released from his super PAC about what he needs to do in the debate? They say lose some weight. No, they want him to act more normal. But I think he has lost some weight. I don't know if he's taken this Ozembic or if he's just on a cocaine diet. Because oh yeah, the Ozempic video, is the hot new weight loss drug. Yep. Yeah, the video of him though, he's like grinding his uh, teeth and you know moving his jaw. I think that's a cocaine thing, right? You are the world's expert. I kind of think anal everybody is on cocaine. You kind of really, do. And I started thinking about that actually because I was like, I need to talk about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy this week and 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 his cocaine use. And then I started thinking. Are people going to start thinking that I'm on cocaine? Because Projection. yeah, I'm not. I would love to be, but I'm not. That's something someone who's on cocaine would say, though. I mean, now you've really backed yourself right. into a corner. I'm on a lot of other stimulants, caffeine, and um, you know, five-hour energy, whatever's in that. Prime, 
Prime, that's the new hot thing. Never heard of that. It's uh, these awful kids that made it. It's like, anyway. Uh, yeah. YouTubers. You're taking a stimulant that was made by YouTubers? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's great. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I don't know if DeSantis is on cocaine, but I, I do know that uh, Ramaswamy is. But I digress. It's okay. It's not a digression. It's a it's political analysis. I mean, there's people out there, John, who get who get paid big bucks to do what we do, which is to point at politicians and say, "I think he's on cocaine." Right. So there was a New York Times article about this memo that that Ron DeSantis's super PAC leaked. I guess because they're not allowed to legally, super PACs are not allowed to coordinate directly with campaigns. No, they can't talk to one another. So they just. Like, but if they happen to leave some memos and suggestions lying around and the candidate happens to read them and take their advice, why, that's just fine. The, I just like the language of this article. So let me read the opening. Okay. This is in the New York Times. All right. Defend Trump and hammer Ramaswamy, colon, DeSantis allies reveal debate strategy. Remember, everybody, the first GOP debate of the 2024 presidential election is tomorrow night, Wednesday night. We're recording this the day before Tuesday, and that's why you can tell the air is just crackling with uh, electric anticipation. Ron DeSantis needs to, quote, take a sledgehammer to Vivek Ramaswamy, the political newcomer who is rising in the polls. He should, quote, defend Donald Trump when Chris Christie inevitably attacks the former president. And he needs to, quote, attack Joe Biden and the media no less than three to five times. Blah, 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 blah. These are suggestions from a super PAC. Blah, 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 blah. There are four basic must-dos, one of the memos urges Mr. DeSantis. One, attack Joe Biden in the media three to five times. Two, state DeSantis's positive vision two to three times. Three, hammer Vivek Ramaswamy in a response. And four, <laughs> defend Donald Trump in a in response to a Chris Christie attack. Oh, my gosh. Then I heard Ronda, and then I I was about to say Ronda Swamy. I heard Ronda Santis. He got questioned about this memo, of course, because it's such a funny and embarrassing gotcha. Right? Was and it? He a did no that stand. <laughs> what? So I, yeah, I want to hear it. What do you have this? He said, "Well, I didn't read that memo." It's like, <laughs> yes, you did. Stop lying. Of course, you read the memo. Who doesn't read a memo about themselves? You think if I found a memo about myself, I wouldn't be, I'd be all over it. I, yeah. I right? really want, I want to find that, that, uh, that piece of tape of him. He is sweating. I didn't read the memo. He's, he's angry. That they, all this stuff in the debate about, yeah, he needs to hit these specific points. He doesn't need to hit any specific points. He just needs to act normal. You know, I think this I think they should have gone with a fifth must do, which is, yeah, act like a normal human being for once, you colossal freak. Yeah. But maybe the memo writers knew that was a bridge too far for old Ron DeSantis. Can I say something about Vivek Ramaswamy? <laughs> have you yeah. have you seen... I knew you've been you're so thank you for your patience. I know you've been waiting to okay. pivot to your I boy all day. I could not sleep last night because uh, somebody on Twitter, my, my friend Greg, uh sent me a video of Vivek Ramaswamy playing tennis uh, that he somebody had recorded and he uploaded and said, I'm preparing for the debate. And he is playing tennis like a psycho. I mean, he is slamming the ball so hard. It's crazy. Have you seen the video? No. Okay. 
All right. You should go on Twitter and check it out or other. I can't go on Twitter. I don't know how anymore. I just texted it to you. I just texted it. All right. Can you watch it? I'm going to use my phone now. Hold on. Can you watch it? Okay. Hold on. I'm going to watch it right now. I just got it. So I just got it. Oh, shirtless. Yeah. Okay. Three hours of solid debate prep this morning, he tweets. I have a real problem with guys. Okay, a couple notes. He's buff. He looks good. Yeah. Two, the cicadas sound incredible. Where is he? Where is he from? I know nothing about this guy. I just realized. He's from Ohio. The Ohio cicadas are kicking. Yeah. Two, we never saw a backhand. We only saw a forehand. Could be a weakness. Could be a weakness in this tennis game. Uh, And also, he's pretty aggro. So you've been you were up all night yeah. watching this video? His footwork is crazy. We never saw where any of those tennis balls went. We don't know if every <laughs> single one of them just Over got the fence. launched. Yeah. Cause he's yeah, it no backhand, crazy footwork, uh nice body, totally inappropriate to have your shirt off on a tennis court. That's just not something you do. You know, oh, interesting. You know, right. Yeah. I, I am I am very old fashioned about taking your shirt off. I don't like I don't think grown men should take their shirts off. OK, now we're getting into the hot takes with, yeah. that our listeners have been I'm late, telling waiting you. for. I, ju- I just I, what I, do you mean grown men shouldn't take their shirts off? I can take my shirt off and hang out in my backyard. But the second I go in my front yard, if I'm mowing my lawn, I just put a shirt on. It doesn't matter how oh, good I look. This is about that guy who jogs in your neighborhood with no shirt. Now I'm remembering this. This drives you crazy when a guy jogs around with no shirt on. I don't know. It's Because like you live on live, a cul-de-sac and like you're like, people in outside in a cul-de-sac should have their shirt on. Right. Yeah, he's not breaking a law. It's just, you know, it's – and yeah. This okay, is what about seven. dudes on basketball courts playing pickup basketball? Should they have their shirts on? Uh, they're playing shirts and skins. They can have their shirts off. Okay. Um, Certainly swimming. Uh, okay, so you don't have to wear a button-down Oxford when you're swimming. That's good. No. What if I get out of the pool and it's a social pool like a tennis club or whatever – and I'm just lounging around on a beach chair, or I'm going to run up to the um, snack shack and get a hot dog for my kids or something. Do I need to put on a shirt before I do that? Wait a minute. Where, where are you at the pool? Yeah. I'm no. at the pool. No. I just got done swimming no. my laps. Now I'm going up to the snack no, shack no, no, to no, get no, a hot dog. No, okay. no, no. Okay. No, but the second you walk out of the gate, the second you walk out of the gate, you put a shirt on. What if me and my boys are down at the lake and we're about to get into brad's boat and we're going to spend a day out on the lake yeah, you can okay? have your shirt crushing off on beers the boat. and talking okay yeah on a but boat. before we go to the boat i gotta run into the bait and tackle shop real quick to pick up a 12 pack of whatever the most transphobic beer is this okay. week that i'm allowed to drink as a republican do i need to put on a shirt before i run into the bait and tackle shop to get that beer i would and if you saw me standing there at the cash register I wearing flip-flops you. swim trunks and no shirt holding up a can a 12 pack of Michelob Ultra, you'd be like, this guy has no class. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. 
What if I'm a GOP presidential candidate and professional cocaine inhaler who wants to create a thirst trap before the debate? And I'm going to I'm going to brag that I slammed four hands for three solid hours and I'm not wearing a shirt. You think this is unbecoming of a presidential candidate? I do. I think it's inappropriate. I don't think it's the same as Barack Obama uh, being photographed shirtless on a beach in Hawaii. Uh, I, I I just think it is, no, it's too much. And I'm sure everyone will just say, yeah, you're just being jealous and you're jealous that he's in, in such great shape and that he's in better shape than Biden. But Biden's in great shape for somebody his age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, remember Robert F. Kennedy Jr. took his shirt off and, and was wearing, he was shirtless wearing blue jeans, which I agree is extremely fucked up. And he did push-ups or something. Wasn't he shirtless for that? Yeah, for some reason that felt less classless than this. Okay, here's where you're crazy though. Shirts going shirtless while wearing shorts, I that makes sense. Because I don't going shirtless while wearing no, no, blue no. jeans, that's that's some country shit, man. That's real country. I agree. I agree. And I don't know the setting of where he was. I don't know. It's just like if if Vivek Ramaswamy were playing golf shirtless. <laughs> that would be incredible. What, I mean, tremendous. that's what play tennis. It's tennis. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, maybe you're right. There's something about tennis. Yeah. Keep your shirt on, bro. Oh, wow. Okay. Has this tempered your support and enthusiasm for Ramaswamy? Because he was your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Rap and lose yourself last week at the Iowa State Fair. Yeah. And remember, I said there was no movement, but a lot of times on Predict It, you. You get there too soon and you're like, no, oh, there's no movement. And it's just people move slower. So what's going on? What's the latest? He bumped up. Bumped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he took he a did. bump and bumped up to 20 cents <laughs> from 14 cents. That's a big jump. That's a big bump. He There was a fat white line that was just shooting up and up his nose. And Ramaswamy's poll numbers have followed it on predicted at least. Which I guess some polling came out that showed he was as close to DeSantis, but he is he's still not doing great in Iowa. No, he's going to get clobbered in Iowa. Why is that? That they just know what who phonies are. Every the reason because they want Trump. Everybody, the Republicans like Trump. They want Trump. Who will win the 2024 Republican presidential nomination? Unpredicted. Trump holding steady, fifty six cents. Vivek Ramaswamy now in second place with a. Solid 19 cents. Ron DeSantis now up two to 15. So he had been down at 13. I got to tell you, I think DeSantis is a buy at this point. Really? Yeah. It's not going to be Ramaswamy. And yes, it's probably not going to be DeSantis. But if it's not Trump, it will be DeSantis. If it's not Trump, it's going to be my man, Tim Scott. And I'm holding. Really? You really think so? Yes. Yes. Just wait till the debate tomorrow night. Okay. Americans haven't had a taste of Tim Scott's unique brand of can-do patriotism. I think you're going to see a bump in Tim Scott tomorrow after the debate. Okay. I think he'll get the biggest bump. Trust me. Actually, probably Vivek Ramaswamy will because he's the one who seems to have the most buzz as of these last like 96 hours or whatever. And partly that's because, John, <laughs> he's gotten the endorsement, the tacit endorsement of your second favorite human on earth, yeah. the founder of X, the company... Elon Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk is coming out as a Vivek, as a Vivek head. 
Yeah. And I, 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 he says that he makes a lot of sense. The things that he says, he says he's a great communicator. Uh, he was communicating the other day about nine 11. <clears throat> that was an unexpected twist that he's, that Vivek is becoming a truther. Yeah. Or is admitting he's a truther. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he said, look, we we don't know who were on these planes. There weren't any federal officials. It's sort of, sort of suspicious what happened and that the entire 9-11 report was a lie. I'm sure that there are some mistakes <laughs> in the 9-11 report and that there are some things that they didn't include, like how they knew that the Saudis were more involved than, than they were. But there's no lies in there. Are there? You're an expert on 9-11. I haven't, I haven't looked at that report in a long time. I'm sure there's probably not too many lies. No, there are not. I know that report well. But here's the thing. If Vivek is saying there are lies in the 9-11 report, that means he's still thinking about it a lot. <laughs> and that was like 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he's also like this. He's like, I believe in this so strongly that I'm going to start talking about this in the midst of my national debut as a presidential candidate. Like, you know, the political instincts are are interesting to me. Anyway, Ramaswamy had a tweet where he said, truth, right. number one, God is real. Mm -hmm. Number two, there are two genders. Mm -hmm. Number three, human flourishing requires fossil fuels. That's my favorite one. Four, reverse racism is racism. Five, an open border is no border. Six, parents determine the education of their children. And seven, the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to exist. Elon Musk quote tweeted him and said he states his beliefs clearly, <clears throat> which is good analysis. <laughs> I like it when people are smart. You know, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so then Vivek, so then it was like, oh, the dick sucking contest has begun. Yeah. So then Vivek turned around and gave an interview. Let me just read this whole thing. Yeah, okay, John. This is gross. This Sorry. is good. Okay. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy explained that if he is elected, he will use Elon Musk's stewardship of Twitter as a model for how to run the government. Musk acquired Twitter in October, which he has since rebranded as X, though many users are simply ignoring this development. Since taking over, the billionaire has laid off about 80% of the company's employees. Mm -hmm. Some users of the platform have reported an increase in glitches and bots on the site, not to mention a rise in neo-Nazi propaganda. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis famously announced his presidential bid on Twitter spaces, but the event was marred by technical issues. Ramaswamy appeared on Friday's edition of the Ingraham Angle on Fox News, where he was asked about a comment in which Musk called him, Ingram. quote, Ingram. Uh, Ingram. Ingram. I'm sorry. What did I say? Ingraham? Ingraham. See, that's one of these I'm pronunciation so, things. Yep. We, yeah. we, we, yeah. we, we do this. We all do this without thinking. Ingram Angle on yeah. Fox News, where he was asked about a comment in which Musk called him, quote, a very promising candidate. Well, you just got a lot of kudos online recently from Elon Musk, who seems to be... Perhaps moving away, maybe, from DeSantis and toward you, Laura Ingram told Ramaswamy. Look, I think Elon is an excellent example of what he did at Twitter. That's a good example of what I want to do to the administrative state, Ramaswamy replied. Take out 75% of the deadweight cost. Improve the actual experience of what it's supposed to do. And at the same time, I love the way he released the Twitter files. I'll release the state action files. 
Anytime a bureaucrat has pressured a private company, let's publish it for the world to see. And he put an X through Twitter. I'll put an X on the administrative state. So that's where I'm at on common tactics with Elon. Oh my God, this guy could be in the dick suckers hall of fame. This makes no sense. I know. So wow. too cute. Makes no sense, but sounds good if you're not listening. You're kind of just like, yeah. That's perfect. It sounds good if you're not listening. That's yeah. actually what it is. But the moment you start listening, you're like, this is crazy what this guy is saying. This might be the cocaine talking. And he put an X through Twitter. I'll put an X on the administrative state. What? What does he mean he put an he's, X through Twitter? He was. He, I kind of like that, actually. So he's like put an X on Twitter like he he, he has crossed out Twitter. He is, oh, it's he, a double meaning. Yeah. And uh, then he's going to cross out the administrative state. See, it's too cute. Yeah, it's, it's a little it's, it's a little neat. Yeah, he's he's a smart guy. It is cool when he said that Elon took out 75% of the deadweight cost and improved the actual experience of what Twitter is supposed to do. Because taking out 75% of the deadweight cost sounds so specific and positive. That if a candidate was like, yeah, I'm going to take out 75% of the deadweight cost of our government, I'd be like, hell yeah, man. If it's the deadweight cost, why don't you take out 100% of the deadweight cost? Yeah. Right? Just let's get rid of all the deadweight cost. Deadweight cost. What is that? Is that a real phrase people say in businesses? I, this is a hedge fund guy. He bought a drug from Glaxo. Cocaine. Was it uh, cocaine? It may have been. It was a drug that Glaxo had that they owned, that they weren't doing anything with it because it sucked. And he went and bought it and said, you know, this drug could be used for Alzheimer's. And then he took the company public and uh, the company, you know, the company was like worth a billion dollars overnight. But then people were like, wait a minute, why did Glaxo sell this to him, this drug to him for like five million dollars? Because it's not worth anything. So, hmm. I don't, I do, sorry. So how do you know all this stuff about Ramaswamy? Uh, I just... Been Googling him, reading his Wikipedia page. Just wanted to just want to find out what he's all about. I I I I really don't like this guy. I I like DeSantis more than I like this guy because Here he, we go. Because he seems like a miserable, depressed guy who knows he is failing. He's somebody that you're like, okay, I can relate to this guy. I've been in places where I know that I'm failing or flopping. It's like me with Mark Meadows being all depressed and withdrawn. Right. It's like, right. oh, okay, I see you. I don't, there's nothing about Ramaswamy that's relatable. He went mm. to Harvard. He went to Yale. He started his own hedge fund where he made half a billion dollars. He seems completely arrogant, tries way too hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I won't lie. I know I'm hating. I'm I'm hating, but he's just does not come across as. <laughs> I definitely would not want to sit down and have a beer with this guy. You'd rather have a beer with Ron DeSantis yes. than Vivek. Ron I think wow. I would. I that's think so interesting. Hmm. Okay. Well, this guy. Okay, he's thirty-eight years old. Jesus Christ. And do you know Ron DeSantis is fucking 44 years old? 44. Yeah. Okay. He is the co-founder and executive chairman of Strive Asset Management. 
<laughs> that right there, okay. I hate him. Y- yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're not a fan? He's just too young and too cocksure of himself. I mean, what is what is his opinion on 9-11? He doesn't, re- how old was he when 9-11 happened? <laughs> <laughs> he was in elementary school. <laughs> no, what's the math? 38 minus 22. Okay, so he was, what's that, 16? Yeah, he doesn't know what was going on on 9-11. Maybe he's done the research. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. What do you think is going to happen in the GOP debate tomorrow? Will Ron DeSantis fulfill all the action items on his Super PACs memo? Will Vivek Ramaswamy introduce himself on a grand national stage with aplomb? Will Tim Scott charm the very few undecided voters left in the GOP electorate? Most importantly, John, how will this affect our predicted portfolios? I see that even since we've started recording, Vivek is up another cent now to 20 cents. This is the Vivek surge week. He's going he's gonna to be the candidate who's going to come out looking good, and there's going to be a thousand profiles, and then Maureen Dowd is going to make a bunch of puns about him or something, and then two weeks from now, he'll be completely forgotten. That's my prediction. I don't know if that's yeah, actually I true. think you're right, and I think my prediction is that's going to happen starting tomorrow, but right. again, this is me being way too early. This is me yeah. seeing it, but I think you're right. You got to ride it. His thing, he's just getting started. Even though we can see the end, you're right. He's going he's gonna to surge. All right. Should we buy yes at 20? Okay. I'll buy some. Yeah. All I'll right. buy some. I'm going to wait till he goes down I will to too. 19. I'm going to wait till he goes down to 19. I'll do the same thing. I really think DeSantis is a good buy here, and I know it's hard to time the market, so maybe DeSantis is going to drop tomorrow because he's going to be really weird and sweaty. Um, (laughs) Uh Uh Uh, Who do you think will look the sweatiest on the stage tomorrow? Will it be DeSantis? Oh, absolutely. More than Chris Christie? Because Chris Christie can get a little sweaty. Yeah, I don't think things are working for DeSantis right now in his body. I think like his thyroid is shutting <laughs> down and stuff like that because of his. You think it's having some some real like um, yeah, psychosomatic not, stuff? Yeah, I'm not saying that Chris Christie's in good shape, but I'm just saying his body's working for him right now. I think Ramaswamy's body is working great. He has lots of experience doing drugs. He'll be fine. I don't think Ron DeSantis, he was never comfortable in his skin, and now he's got like looser skin and he's he's even less comfortable right now i love this let's do a whole recurring segment just a body analysis of the politicians just on a purely what's the what's the word physiological level yeah this is that but i don't have an opinion on tim scott so i know he's your guy uh i think his body is doing well yeah he seems like his body's his body is is I think Mike Pence's body is also serving him well, and I'm sure his body is a temple, and I'm sure Mike Pence treats his body as such. Yes. Yes. No, I think so. Yeah, he he always has control of his body. Mike Pence always has control of his body, and the only situation in which he wouldn't have control of his body is if he was left alone in a room with a woman, which is why he refuses that temptation, lest his body take take over in that moment yeah. and start uncontrollably kissing and cuddling. Um, 
Now, let's turn to another body on the national stage, that of Donald Trump. Donald Trump, we said last week, you said actually last week, was going to wait as long as possible to the last possible minute to turn himself in at the Fulton County Courthouse for his mugshot so that he could drop a few pounds and make his weight. And now we know, John, when he's going to turn himself in. Is that not correct body analysis, man? Yes, he's he's turning himself in on Thursday, which I guess is the last day. Yeah, it's just about the last minute. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean that my prediction was based off what you said, him him being anxious about having his his weight reported. Uh so I immediately thought, yeah, he's going to try to 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 drag his feet as long as possible to lose as much weight. And also there's obviously timing issues going on with the debate cuz he will not be at the debate, right? Everybody knows that, right? He's not showing up. That's right. He's going to do some counter programming. Mm-hmm. With... He's going to play tennis shirtless for three hours. Right. Smashing forehands like nobody's business and grunting like an absolute maniac. So he's getting interviewed by Tucker Carlson on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know where his. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. where his show is now? Yeah, that's great. OK, that's hmm. that'll be good. OK. And uh, then. When you have all the post-debate coverage on Thursday, when they're talking about Ramaswamy being so awesome, he's going to step on that, pull the old Bigfoot by showing up at Fulton County. Right. Uh, hold that thought. Hold that thought, John. We're turning now uh, to a live feed at Fulton County. We've been told that President Trump has just shown up for his mugshot, so we're going to follow this story for the next 50 hours straight. Wolf Blitzer, what's going on there? You're on the scene. Hi, Candy. Uh, yes, Mr. President Trump. Uh, is, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be good. I, sometimes I really wish I had a TV, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I really wish I had a TV, okay? Because that's when you really want to just watch TV for a while. Watch them spin their wheels and watch all the colored flashing lights and everything and the crawl at the bottom of the screen and some hazy, shaky footage of a bunch of SUVs showing up in front of an office building while yeah. somebody just fucking riffs like truly just spins spins like word salad for 20 minutes while they wait for something to happen. I kind of miss that. You can't you don't really have that experience if you're getting your news through the web instead of cable, no. you know? Maybe everything's going to head back to that now that uh you know, the balkanization Now that Twitter is falling media. apart. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll just maybe. go back to cable or something. But so he'll get his mugshot taken, but it's not something that is publicly released or put on a website like a lot of places where they just automatically put it out there. You have to file a a Freedom of Information Act uh, request in order to get it. So I don't know whether we'll see it tomorrow. You mean Thursday? Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't know whether we'll actually see it on Thursday. I'm okay, still... so let's make another let's make another side bet. You'll remember that we have side bets about who among these uh, uh, conspirators will smile in their mugshot. You seem to think they're all going to smile. I think they're all going to frown. I'm starting to worry that you're correct, and they are all going to smile. Let's make another bet. When will we see President Trump's mugshot? I uh, will say by Friday. I'm going to say day of. I'm okay. going to say we're going to see it immediately. So they're you're going to push s- it through. They're going to push it through. Yep. Yeah. They're going to do a special expedited mugshot. So I'm going to say Thursday and you say Friday. Now, on another prediction market that allows for, you know, more uh, 
interesting type markets, uh, poly market is actually has a market on whether he will smile or not. And I think it, the yes is trading in the twenties right now. So people are with you now that market, obviously, if there is no mugshot, uh, then obviously that's not a smile. So that takes into account. It's not just binary between a frown and a smile. I see. The, an, an, an absence of a mugshot resolves to not smiling in a mugshot. Is that correct? That's right. Right. So I think, um, and also how do you, what if it's a Mona Lisa type situation? <gasps> yeah. Who judges whether it's a smile or not? Yeah, somebody in the Cayman Islands. Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, men have named you. You're so like the lady with the mystic smile. Is it only because you're lonely men have blamed you for that cold and lonely strangeness in your smile? Do you smile to tempt a lover, Mona Lisa? Or is this your way to hide a broken heart? Many dreams have been brought to your doorstep. They just lie there and they die there. Are you real? Are you warm, Mona Lisa? Or just a cold and lonely, lovely work of art Mona Lisa Mona Lisa Nat King Cole Yeah, I was going to ask you who that was. Nat King Cole. Now, if I was um political piano song satirist um what was his name not mark shields who was the guy who always did those specials on pbs during fundraiser week where he'd be like well we've got the iron contras and we've got oliver north and they're all in a bunch of trouble and it's very going very south you know i'm talking about that guy yeah what was it not the capital steps steps. not Not the the capital steps those are an acapella guy this is a guy who would come out with a piano and and if you were a pbs watching family he would sing all these songs about the topics of the day I could see him coming out and being like this. So, you know, um, everyone's wondering if Donald Trump is going to smile in his mugshot. Well, what if it's a Mona Lisa type situation? And then he'd be like, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. <laughs> Mark Russell. I guess it's actually Mark Russell. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. See, these young kids, they don't know how good we had it back in the day. These <laughs> yeah. young kids, they might have Aaron Paul, but we had Mark Russell and he was doing a good job. That's right. He was pounding the shit out of the ivories. He was really busting that piano wide open, singing his songs. I think Vivek Ramaswamy plays piano too. Oh god! So he's he one does. of these over—he's yes. one of these overachievers. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So we were talking about um, you—you were analyzing all the politicians' bodies. This is a good, healthy conversation. This is nice. Um. And then we talked about, this is just a mid-episode recap for the benefit of our listeners so that we can all stay on track. Then we talked about um, Donald Trump turning himself in and whether he's going to make his target weight and whether he's going to smile. And then we said, well, what happens if it's not clear whether he's smiling or not? I think we'll know. It's rare that Donald Trump presents an expression that is ambiguous. It's usually 100% 
it, whatever it is. He is a very he is he has a good face for communicating mood. I actually think that's a great strength of his. You can look at him in an instant. You're like, I know what that guy's thinking, because there's no, it's all id. There's he doesn't mm-hmm. he usually it, you know what I mean. There's no um, masking, right? Right. If that makes sense. So I think we'll know how he's feeling. He'll either be smiling in glee because he knows how much fundraising money he's going to raise off this mugshot. Or I, like I said last week, this will be one of his all-time great uh, tough guy stares. Do we want to place a bet on his weight? I would say that feels a little... That's too much. That's too much. That's a listed, little too much. Isn't he listed at like 230 or something? Yeah, I bet seems, it's... I bet the... Uh, not quite right. Yeah. yeah. Ronnie, uh, speaking of a guy on a lot of drugs, his his doctor. Oh my God, the Trump, the president's physician. Remember yeah. that guy? Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! He said he would. He said he was the most physically fit man who would ever serve as president. Yeah. Hmm. And his height, I think I'm gonna put his height down for six one. Yeah, six one feels right. What does he say? Six three? I think he says six three. Yeah, he's not six three. He is tall, but I don't think he's six three. So that'll be exciting. Thursday. Do they measure his penis? I don't think so. God, what if they did? What if they said, as of today, we also measure their cocks? <laughs> That would be so extraordinary, mm-hmm. and that if, if they did that, I'd be like, okay, they're politicizing this. This is there. This is this is inappropriate. Oh my god! I hope they measure his dick. I would love to. I would love to see those numbers. I would love to see those numbers. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Oh my god! <laughs> would that get a push alert from the New York Times? I don't. I... The New York Times will send out a push alert that says. Um, breaking news: President Trump has been has had his mugshot has has turned himself into Fulton County Courthouse for fingerprinting and mugshot. More details to follow. They'll send. I guarantee we'll get that push alert right when mm-hmm. it's like this is a historic moment. Blah blah blah. Presidential mm-hmm. mugshot. If they were also going to measure his penis or cock, <laughs> would the New York Times say for the f- breaking news? Um, in an unanticipated in an unanticipated development, the Fulton County Courthouse. <laughs> has measured President Trump's penis as part of the booking, as part of the, um, what do you call this? This isn't the indictment, the booking, the charging procedure? That's not, that sounds good, yeah. I don't oh think it's, a, yeah, it would be the sheriff, the sheriff's department. Yeah. The sheriff's department, okay, so it's a breaking news. Yeah. In an unanticipated development, Fulton County Sheriff's Department has m- taken measurements of President Trump's penis as part of the booking process. More details to follow. Yeah, that'd be good stuff. Yeah, in the old so days, we op-eds. used to be able to just send an email to Brandy at Predict It and, and say, hey, we have an idea for a market. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you could get a market put in late. Uh, maybe, maybe you, you could... want to try to see if this market will come up? Yeah, the pen- presidential say, penis market? Yeah, will, will they do that? See. Okay, that's be good. I'd say no. I, they won't do it. I, I was just, I, you know, uh, this is yeah. a dark day for America, so I, I was just trying to add a little bit of absurdist levity. Mm-hmm. I think that will be inappropriate. Yeah. All the right. whole thing is just really untorrid. Mm, I agree. I agree. 
All right. Anything else to say about these markets or Vivek? Or what are you going to be watching for for Vivek tomorrow? Are you going to watch the debate? I think you should watch the debate because I think Vivek will give you a lot to hate on. Uh, how? What's it on? Is it Fox? It's Fox. It's Brett Baer is, is one of the um, okay. moderators. So it's a Fox debate. I guess that means you have to watch Fox. I could go to Mike's and watch it. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I will definitely be watching it. Cool. Me too. Maybe. Or maybe listening. But you want to watch their bodies, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I do too. I want to see their bodies sweating. <laughs> Last week, I was fantasizing that um, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, mm-hmm. would quote the Bob Dylan line, blame it on a simple twist of fate at his sentencing or at his trial. And we got a, we got a message from listener Maggie who said, I actually know someone who quoted a simple twist of fate at their sentencing. She was in trouble for transporting a colossal amount of marijuana over several state lines. And I don't think it was correct to use that song, but <laughs> ha ha ha, Rudy Giuliani, he can use it. So that's interesting. Someone actually used it. A sim- Blame it on a simple twist of fate. There, so there's precedent. There's precedent for Giuliani to, to show up at his <laughs> sentencing and, and blame it on a tr- simple twist of fate. Is it a sentencing? No, it's not a sentencing. No, they were not there yet. But I think I said he would use it at his trial. Joe writes in, longtime listener, first time emailer. I love the show. This week's episode of EPM featured two things that are related so closely that I was shouting in my head for you to make the connection. Halfway through the episode, you read out Ryan's email about the cacophony made by periodic cicadas and about the legendary Brood X and Brood 13. At that point, I got excited. I thought you might dive into the fascinating periodicity of the periodic cicadas. But then later on, you played the audio message from Oberlin alum JKK, and he mentioned the highly significant fact that one of the 20th century's most important analytic philosophers, Willard Van Orman Quine, did a BA at Oberlin. As JKK mentioned, WVO Quine is famous in part for formulating an argument for mathematical Platonism. The idea that numbers, despite being abstract, non-spatio-temporal, eternal, unchanging entities are real. These abstract objects exist. Quine's argument is provocative precisely because it is naturalistic. When we ask ourselves what is there or what exists or what is real, philosophical naturalism says we should only be committed to the things that show up in our best scientific theories. No weird or spooky things, no magical or theological stuff, just the things that science discovers. And yet, even if we endorse a naturalistic metaphysical outlook, Quine's argument is designed to convince us that we should be committed to the existence of mathematical abstracta nonetheless. When you play JKK's message, I felt sure that the connection had to be made. So here's the framing question. What connects periodic cicadas and the Quinean claim that numbers are real? 
In 2005, American philosopher Alan Baker published an article which includes an incredibly influential variation of Quine's argument for mathematical realism, in which he explicitly invokes the example of the North American periodic cicada. The periodic cicada is known to hibernate beneath the ground for years at a time, and all members of a population are developmentally synchronized, so they emerge as adults all at once in the same year as a giant brood to reproduce. But did you know that these hibernating emerging life cycles are always prime numbers? There are three species with 13-year life cycles and four species with 17-year life cycles. 13 and 17 are both prime numbers. Yes, yes, you're starting to sense it. <laughs> the power of the primes. This is a top. This is one of the greatest I'm sorry to interrupt. No. This is one of the greatest letters we've ever gotten. I was exhilarated reading this yes. this fucking dispatch from from listener Joe. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah. He continues. Entomologists have wondered why are the life cycles of periodic cicadas prime numbers? The accepted explanation is that it is an evolutionary successful strategy. Having a life cycle that is prime will lower the potential of intersecting with other organisms' life cycles, whether those are the life cycles of predators, which will eat you, or of conspecifics, which you might breed with and dilute the gene pool. It can be shown using standard number theory that prime life cycles will have the smallest overlap with any other life cycles. Prime numbers will have the least common multiples compared with other numbers. If you have a hibernating breeding life cycle like the cicada does, having a prime life cycle is an evolved capacity which will give your population a selective advantage over a rival population without it. Baker's Quinean argument uses the cicada example to show that mathematical properties like primeness genuinely make a difference. The argument pivots on the idea that scientists regularly explain physical phenomenon by appeal to facts about mathematical properties. And so if those explanations are correct, it must be the case that mathematical properties really make a difference in the causal physical world. If our best scientific explanations regularly rely on the efficacy of mathematical states of affairs, if our best science invokes numbers and mathematical properties in the same way that it invokes fields and forces and subatomic particles, then we should be just as realist about numbers as we are about the other things that science tells us are out there. Okay, that's the connection. Thanks, thanks, thanks for the whole of everything you do. Goodness gracious, John. Man, I need a drink of water after reading that. Yeah, you should go get some water. Okay. I am really going to go get some. Go. Go get some water. I will be right back. I'm going to speak directly to listener Joe while John goes to get some water. <laughs> listener Joe, just as Long John Silver has left the room so that he may hydrate and quench his thirst, I want to thank you for quenching my intellect. This is a thirst I didn't even know I had. When I was talking about cicadas... And then talking about quine, I hadn't, and this is in the context of my obsession with what are numbers and do the numbers exist. I had no idea that all three of these points could all be connected in a single triangle named mm -hmm. Listener mm -hmm. Joe. 
This is such okay. a marvelous, marvelous bit of correspondence. And the way you must have been losing your mind as I was talking about cicadas and as I was reading JKK's point about Quine going to Oberlin. Oh, my gosh. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. It's all connected. We've got to listen to the numbers. I mean, this proves it. We've got to listen. The numbers are real. These fucking cicadas are so smart. They come out only in prime number years. I didn't know such a thing was possible. But this is making me think the numbers are real. I honestly wasn't sure if this was if this wasn't a joke. Oh, fuck me. Is this all a joke? No, No. it's not a joke. Okay. Okay. It's so good that I was like. Yeah, it's too perfect. Yeah. Well, let me click on the link about Alan Baker's paper. Are there genuine mathematical explanations of physical phenomena? Alan Baker published in Mind. And Mind, uh, the philosophy heads know, is like a serious journal of uh, philosophy. And the abstract of this paper is, many explanations in science make use of mathematics, but are there cases where the mathematical component of a scientific explanation is explanatory in its own right? This issue of mathematical explanations in science has been for the most part neglected. I argue that there are genuine mathematical explanations in science and present in some detail an example of such an explanation taken from evolutionary biology involving periodical cicadas. Oh, this motherfucker went for it. He went for it. (laughs) I also indicate how the answer to my title question impacts on broader issues of the philosophy of mathematics. Oh, my God. John, imagine if this comes up in the GOP debate tomorrow night. Listener Joe will lose his marbles. (laughs) He will lose his marble. Oh, I hope Vivek and DeSantis get into it about whether the periodic, <laughs> the prime number of periodic life cycles of cicadas proves that numbers are real. Oh, what will my beloved Tim Scott have to say about that? And what will the moderators on Fox have to say about it? They'll be going after the um, Joe the Philosopher vote. Mm. Mm. That's a callback to Joe the Plumber. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah, that was a good callback. That was a great callback. <laughs> Uh, I hope some guy in the audience stands up and says, hey, man, I'm just a philosopher, but I have to ask you, what are you going to do about for me and my family? <laughs> this is from Kevin. Hello, Wave Riders, he writes. I write in for John's help with a domain name issue. My domain name, which he lists as firstnamelastname.com, which initially I thought was the actual domain he had registered. No. But I think what Kevin means is the name is he has registered the domain that is just his full name dot com. Yes. Right. He wants to okay. get his John Kimball dot com or David Reese dot com. Got it. My domain name, first name, last name dot com has been parked by a random register for some time now. I had accepted I would never get it and would need to settle for first name, last name dot me, which, John, I assume you think is a disgusting URL. Yes. Okay. But recently, I received the following email from a scammy-looking email address. Hi there. We noticed that you own firstnamelastname.me. Do you have any interest in firstnamelastname.com? You can let us know by email, and we will send you more details. If this does not concern you, we apologize and wish you a nice day. From Lena Kruglova. What is my best strategy to get firstnamelastname.com? Should I reply to the scammy email? Should I hope the registration lapses? Should I give up hope altogether? I'm just hoping to own my online presence. P.S. My name is relatively common, but not super common, if that helps. 
Okay, in defense of the uh, scammy email, you are being presented with something that a lot of people don't have the opportunity. This person is coming to you and saying they want to sell you this name. It doesn't feel good because it's your name and you feel like they are targeting you. Uh, and in a certain way, they are. But other people have this name as well. So when you are trying to reach out to these people on your own, a lot of times they just won't respond. But this person has done a, a, a search of other registered extensions of this name and probably sent out this email to a number of people. So if you want it, reply. Don't wait. Don't wait for it to be deleted. It's not going to be deleted. If it is deleted, someone else will just pick it up. It's just a matter of what you're willing to pay for it. Um, and I think $500 is not an unreasonable amount to pay for your name and your brand that you own forever and use as your email and the authority uh, that it it gives you. So I don't know if they're going to accept that, but... I don't know if they're going to be excited about paying anything less than that. So, so should he say, "Hey, I'll give you two hundred dollars," and then hope they counter at five hundred? No, I would come. I would come and say, "I'll pay you five hundred dollars for it." Take it or leave it. Best and final five hundred dollars. If you're willing to walk away, then that's. I mean, for me, I'm thinking I probably wouldn't want to pay more than that. So that would be what I would offer, and then I think. There aren't going to be a lot of other people that are out there that necessarily are going to respond to want this name. So they are going to realize that you may be the one person that is the potential buyer. That doesn't mean they're going to sell it for $100, though. <laughs> it's just not worth the time and the effort to go through the transfer and the paperwork and all that for $100 for them. Kevin, keep us posted. Yeah. John, I think we've given our listeners plenty of plenty to think about and chew over this week's on this week's episode. So I propose that we end the episode and stop just stop this. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. Send your election prediction questions and bird recordings, if we're still doing that, to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Sure. <laughs> if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And we'll see you in Connecticut. Yes. Bit.ly slash EPMNCT. Bye. Bye. Bye.